Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, my name is Brian Weber, and uh, I'm one of the pastors at Grace Point in uh, Newtown. And as many of you uh, know by now, uh, Grace Point and Restoration Church are sister churches. And so it's my pleasure to, to be here with all of you this morning. And, um, you know, just a, a little background about myself. I, this is my four kids that you can see in the picture there. They're at Penn Manor enjoying a, a winter day last winter. And um, uh, I grew up in this area. My, my parents uh, were both educators for Neshaminy School District. My mom was a teacher. My dad was a guidance counselor, both retired now. Um, went to elementary school at Neshaminy, and our family moved to Newtown. Went to uh, uh, junior high and high school at Council Rock. Now, don't hold that against me. No one's perfect. Okay, um, but um, I got married. Uh, my wife uh, grew up in Fairless Hills. Uh, she's a Pensbury grad, which is so if you're familiar with the uh, inner school rivalries, that just means that sh our friends would never let us date in, in high school, you know. But we ended up together, and uh, we have these four kids, and we live uh, in Langhorne uh, now, and um, it's just a, you know, a pleasure to, to be with you today. If, um, if you have your Bibles with you, and like uh, Ross uh, said, uh, we encourage you to bring your Bibles and to use them. Um, and if you don't have one, ask Pastor Ross and he will give you one. Uh, but please open up to Matthew chapter 11. Um, that's going to be our text this morning. The Bible is a collection of writings, 66 writings. It's divided in two parts, Old Testament and New Testament. And the first book of the New Testament is Matthew. And you'll see it divided into chapters. And uh, Matthew chapter 11 we're looking at today. This is a saying of Jesus. It's, uh, the, uh, the Gospels are filled with teachings from Jesus, and this is one particular teaching. It's only uh, a few verses, and it's, it's right there. It's not found in any other place uh, in the Bible but here in Matthew, and this is what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What is your li uh, life like? What is your day like? Do you feel weary and burdened? I'll tell you a little bit about my typical day. Maybe you can relate to parts of it. Um, I, I get up early in the morning, you know, either my alarm wakes me up or my dog. He, he is a, a large dog and he's tall enough to put his cold snout right against my cheek, which he loves to do in the morning and then slobber on me. So that's a, a rude awakening for sure, as you can imagine. But I get up early enough before the kids so I can, you know, make a cup of coffee and uh, read the Bible a little bit, get dressed. But the kids come bounding down the steps, all four of them, their ages are five, six, seven, and eight. And uh, they come down, and it's busy from the get-go. We've got to get them all dressed. We have to get them all have breakfast. We've got to get to the bus on time, which we make about 50% of the time. And, uh, but the, the good news is the school's a mile away. So if we miss the bus, we drive them to school. And uh, then my day begins. And I have this long to-do list. I mean, maybe you guys have a to-do list with, with your work. And um, I just I prioritize them, and I try to get as much done during the day that I can. Now, as a pastor, part of my job is to help people who are in crisis. And so I get interrupted all the time. And that's fine. It's just part of what I do. But what it means is, at the end of the day, I always scratch the surface of that to-do list, you know, and uh, just get as much done as I can, get back home, 
and all the kids are home late afternoon off the bus, and then the busyness is there again, making sure they get dinner, make sure they get all their homework done, take them over to the activities that they're supposed to do in the late afternoon, get them to bed, and uh, you know, about 8, 8.30, if we're lucky, we can get them settled down for bed. And then uh, my wife and I look at each other and say, well, we've got some chores to do. You know, the laundry doesn't do itself, right? So, you know, we're out, we're doing the chores right at about 11 o'clock. We crawl into bed, tired, fall asleep just to do it all over again the next day. Now, my father-in-law would hear that, and he would just shake his head at me. You know, Brian, you don't know the half of that. You know, he he uh, worked at the steel mill and was that, uh, you know, that rotational shift eight hours a day. And so he'd say to me, hey, Brian, when you lived... 7 to 3, 3 to 11, 11 to 7, and he'd just shake his head at me again. And maybe you're doing that right now. Maybe you're thinking, Brian, you don't know the half of it. And maybe you're a small business owner, and you have to be at the shop 12 hours a day because you can't afford the extra help, and you're just trying to make payroll at the end of the month. Maybe you're a carpenter or electrician or a landscaper and you have to take every job that you can get because you don't know when the next one's going to come. Maybe you have a child with special needs or an elderly parent and not only do you have normal parenting duties, but you have to be a 24-hour nurse or a tutor and a health insurance expert all at the same time. Brian, you don't know the half of it. And you're right, I don't. I don't. And we don't like to talk about it very much because we don't want to be complainers, right? Nobody likes to complain. Nobody likes to listen to complaints. But it doesn't change how we feel. And maybe your day isn't like any of these. But it starts and finishes the same way. It starts with the alarm clock buzzing in the morning. And it ends with your head crashing against the pillow at night. And people ask you how you're doing. And you say, I'm fine. But on the inside, you want to say, man, I'm tired. I'm going and going and going. And I don't know that another cup of coffee is going to get me through today like it did yesterday. Are you tired this morning? Are you weary and burdened? No, it's one thing to be tired because your day is filled with activity. It's a much more difficult thing to be tired emotionally. And when we face stressful situations in life, we expend a lot of emotional energy. And when that happens over and over and over again, there's a weariness that happens inside of us that it's hard to get over. Doctors use an exam called the Life Stress Inventory to measure the amount of stress that a person feels. And the more stressful situations that you experience, then the more likely you are to become physically ill. And so according to the test on the screen here, here are some of the most intense situations that you can face. The death of a close relative. Divorce, marriage. Notice that both divorce and marriage are on this list, right? Major illness or injury. Getting fired from your job. Taking on a mortgage. Retirement. Pregnancy. Changing jobs. Moving. Have you experienced one or more of these things recently? Are you under stress? Are you tired and weary this morning? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Jesus is actually quoting the Old Testament when he says, when he says these words. He, he's quoting the Bible. There was a prophet named Jeremiah that lived 600 years before Jesus. And in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, he writes this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Jeremiah says, listen, you can live life however you want to. You know, life is like standing at a street corner. You can go left or you can go right. It's your choice. You know, God gives you the freedom to live life however you want. But if you're wise, you'll choose the good way. The good way leads you to God. The, the bad way leads you to destruction. The good way leads you to spiritual life. The bad way leads you to spiritual death. Now fast forward 600 years... And Jesus says that he is the fulfillment of this text. He, he describes himself as the good way. And he invites you. And he invites me. invites every one of us. He, Jesus says, come to me. Follow me. I am the good way. And you will find rest for your souls. Will you come to Jesus? Before you can answer that question, you may have a few other questions. Why is Jesus the good way? How, in fact, can he give me rest for my soul? Well, Jesus answers these questions here in this text, in verses 29 and 30. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus uses the word yoke as a metaphor here, and uh, it's a farming tool. It's not very common, you know, today, uh, but in Jesus' day, very common, and you might see it like in this po uh, picture here like in Amish country. You know, a yoke um, is, uh, is a wooden device that you would wear on your shoulders, and it helps you carry heavy loads. Like on this, this uh, Amish boy here is, is carrying two buckets attached to a yoke, and so you can see what it does is it... it um, spreads out the weight across your shoulders so that you can carry heavy things easier. And there's two things that, that make a yoke comfortable to use. Now, one of it is that it fits really well, right? And so the yokes are designed to and carved to, to fit the particular farmer. And the other one is that the burden in the buckets is not very heavy, right? And then you can use one all day. Now, Jesus uh, promises both of these things. In verse 30, he says, my yoke is easy... In other words, it fits really well. And my burden is light. But what is this heavy burden that Jesus is talking about? Jesus helps to answer this question a few chapters later. So if you keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 11, and you move ahead to Matthew 23, some of the text will also be on the, on the screen here. In Matthew 23, Jesus is teaching a lesson to uh, the people that are there, his disciples and the crowds. And this is what he says. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. 
The Pharisees were the religious teachers who lived in Jesus' day. They were the experts in religion. And a basic definition of religion is uh, religion is, is uh, the things that you need to do in order to have a close relationship with God. And the Pharisees were experts at this. They, they took the, the Old Testament law of Moses and they cataloged it and they discovered that there were 613 laws of Moses. And then the, the Pharisees um, built traditions and other regulations that they put on top of the law of Moses to ensure that all of the people that they were teaching would follow the law of Moses. And so they were, they were obsessed with this thing. They, the, the, there was a historian that lived back there, and he wrote, the Pharisees are obsessed with regulations handed down by former generations not recorded in the Bible. And so imagine if you lived back then and, and a Pharisee was your teacher. And all, all that you want is to have a close relationship with God so that you can have a better life here on earth and someday spend eternity with him in heaven. And the Pharisee says, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. In fact, there are 613 different things you have to do. But ensure you have to do all of those. You have to do all these other traditions and things. That would be impossible. How would you ever know whether you were close to God or not? That's why Jesus says here in Matthew 23, verse 3 and 4, Do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But is that what you're doing today? If you were to die today and God asked you this question, why would I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Maybe you'd say, well, I mean, I, I, I've done good things. I've, I've done more good things than bad things. I was baptized, and I went to those confirmation classes, and, you know, I went to church whenever I could, especially on Christmas and Easter, and I guess I was hoping that would be enough. Is that what you're relying on? Following some religious rules? Trying to do as many good things as possible? Jesus is saying that's not enough. The Bible says that's not enough. Isaiah was a prophet that wrote some of the Old Testament, and he wrote in Isaiah 53, verse 6, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. In other words, we haven't followed God. We've done whatever we wanted. And then he says in Isaiah 59, verse 2, Your iniquities, that is the things you have done wrong, have separated you from God. And Paul was an apostle who wrote some of the Bible. And, and in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, he said, For all, that is everybody, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he goes a step farther and says in chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. That is the result of the things that we do wrong is death. You see, the Bible teaches us that we are spiritually helpless. That, that we all do things that are wrong, you know, because in, in, innately we're selfish people, and we know that. But because we do things that are wrong, it separates us from a perfect and holy God. And if we stay in that condition, if we physically die in that condition, then we will spend eternity apart from God in a place called hell. And there's nothing we can do about it. Because the Scripture says that 
the penalty for that is death, and we can't pay that and survive. We need God to rescue us. My uncle was an international businessman, and uh, he lived in Germany for 10 years. And when I was 13 years old, I had the opportunity to go and visit him with my mom and my dad and my brother. And while we were there, we, we visited a museum, which is on the site of one of the concentration camps from World War II. And when we were there, you see this. There's an image here of a gate. And this is the front gate of the concentration camp. And it has this inscription on it. It says, Arbeit macht frei, which means work makes freedom. And it was a lie. A false hope. The Germans would bring the prisoners in, and this would be the first thing that they would see. And, and the prisoners were led to believe that if they worked really hard, then they would get their freedom. That if they, if they worked really hard, that the Germans would let them go. But that's not what happened. All they experienced was terrible suffering and death. And as a 13-year-old, I can tell you it was really difficult to be in that spot and consider what happened there 70 years ago. But one of the reasons this phrase still haunts me is that this phrase is still a religious lie that exists today. Work makes you free. That's a false hope. Many people believe that their good works will be good enough to outweigh their bad works, but it doesn't work that way. Religious rules only remind us how helpless we are. We will only feel further and further away from God every time that we do something wrong. And the only thing we earn by our hard work is the spiritual death that we deserve. Religion is the heavy burden, Jesus says. But the love of God sets us free. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The easy burden is faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus invites us to learn from his life. And Jesus came to show us how we can have a close relationship with God. And he says here in this text that I am gentle and humble in heart. What does he mean? Well, Jesus, the Bible says that the God loved us so much that he couldn't let us be in this separated state from him that he loved us so much that he wanted to do something about it. So the fullness of God came into this world as Jesus Christ. Jesus humbled himself because of love. He left his throne in heaven and took on a human body and experienced all the difficulties and trials that we experience in life here. He did it willingly because of love. Yet because he was the fullness of God, he could do something that we couldn't do. First of all, he lived this life without doing anything wrong. But secondly, when he died on the cross, he could pay the penalty of death that we couldn't pay. He took all of the, of the punishment 
for all of the evil and sin in this world, your wrongdoings, my wrongdoings, He put it upon Himself on the cross and paid that penalty for you and for me so that we don't have to. And what is more, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And when he did that, he conquered the power of sin and death and made it so that anyone who places their faith in Jesus can have forgiveness from God, can have a relationship with God that starts now and lasts for eternity in heaven. The Apostle Paul writes this in Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And do you see why this is the easy burden? All that is required of us is to have faith in Jesus, his work for us on the cross. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 10, For if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess your faith and are saved. So do you want God's help today for the difficult situations that you face? Do you want forgiveness for your sins and wrongdoings in your life? Do you want a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God that can start now and last for eternity in heaven? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will you come to Jesus today? When I was a kid, I collected baseball cards. I don't know how many of you guys did this. And I didn't have this card, but I kind of wish I did. It's, it's kind of a humorous card. It's, from, it's a Topps baseball card, Future Stars card from 1982. And if you go on eBay today, you'll see this card for sale for a value at over $500. And uh, there are three players on this card. And the first player is um, uh, Jeff Snyder. And Snyder played one year of professional baseball and pitched in 11 games. And the second player is Bobby Bonner, who played four years of baseball and only uh, appeared in 61 games. In his whole career, he had eight RBIs and zero home runs. And then the third future star here is Cal Ripken Jr. And he played 21 years for the Baltimore Orioles and appeared in 3,001 games. In his career, he had 3,184 hits and 431 home runs. He is one of the best baseball players in history. Now, suppose you met Bobby Bonner on the street, and he shook your hand, and he said, did you know that my baseball card is worth $500? (laughs) It'd be a joke, right? Because you would know that the value of the card had nothing to do with his career, that the card is valuable because of the work of someone else. 
Don't you see that's what faith in Jesus is like? That, that we are valuable to God, not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus did for us. The Bible says that we can actually boast and have confidence in the work of Jesus because of how much it means to us. I've been reading from a little bit here from uh, Apostle Paul in Romans 5, and so I just want to read you a couple more verses. He writes this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who He has given us. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's not like all of the stressful situations in your life are going to go away. And you, you still have to deal with people who drive you crazy. And you, you may still have to change your job. You may still have a serious illness or some other kind of problem in your life. But faith in Jesus does promise something. It promises that God will change your life from the inside out through the Holy Spirit. That you have a, a relationship with God in this life that will last for eternity. And you see what this does for us? When we face those difficult situations in our life, these sufferings, as the Apostle says, the Holy Spirit gives us perseverance. Perseverance is that emotional strength that we need to to get through difficult times in life. And as we develop perseverance, the Holy Spirit gives us character. Character is the ability to do the right thing, even though it might be really hard. And it's demonstrated in qualities like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And it's way better than anger and bitterness. And as we develop character, the Holy Spirit will also give us hope. And hope is the confidence that God wins in the end. No matter how bad things look, good will triumph over evil. And one day we will spend eternity with God for hev in heaven. Hope is rest for your souls. So do you have hope in your life today? Do you want it? One day, a, uh, a photographer was working with first graders at an elementary school. And, uh, you know, he's trying to get them to be a, at ease and to smile. Because it's picture day, and he wants to take good pictures. The parents are paying money for to take home. And, and uh, there's this one girl that's kind of mopey. And so he's trying to get her to smile. And he says to her, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? And the little girl says, tired. There's truth in that, right? Life is filled with stressful things. 
And we will sometimes feel tired and burdened. It's inevitable. But Jesus offers us hope and rest for our souls. Yesterday I was on a website where you know, people talk about their spiritual journeys. And this one was called um, JesusChangedMyLife.org. And this woman writes about her story. Her name is J.D. And she writes this. I had been addicted to drugs for many years and had completely given up hope of ever being free. And while in a hotel room paid for by a local charity, I laid down on the bed next to my six-week-old baby. And he looked like an angel sleeping there next to me. And I smiled briefly, imagining the happy life he would have without me. I knew that someone would be there soon to clean the room and he would be safe. And that's when I decided to take my own life. And someone started yelling at me. Hey, you, you heroin addict lying there in that hotel room, don't you know that God loves you? Don't you know that Jesus wants to change your life? I look around, and I notice I left the TV on. And there was a pastor preaching on the television, pointing his finger right at me. I had no idea what he meant, but somewhere deep in my soul, the will to live was stirred by his message. Five months later, I went to a church and asked to see the pastor, and the pastor told me about Jesus. He told me that God loved me and had a plan for my life. He explained how I could have a relationship with God. He told me how Jesus paid for my sins by dying on the cross in my place. And in my mind's eye, I could see a cross on a hill. And in front of the cross were many roads winding in every direction, and I knew that they were the difficult paths and roads that I had been on throughout my life. But all the roads ended at the same place, at the foot of the cross. And I asked God to forgive my sins. I surrendered my life to Jesus. And that was 19 years ago. And Jesus truly changed my life. He gave me a life worth living. And she, she signs it, J.D., a thankful sinner saved by grace. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Will you come to Jesus today? Will you please bow your head with me so we can pray together? As all of our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to take a moment right now to reflect on the words of Jesus that you just heard. And some of you may be thinking, you know, I, I've never taken that step, that conscious step in my mind to place my faith in Jesus and rely wholly in Him. And if you're feeling that way right now and you want to take that step to cross over from spiritual death to spiritual life, from hopelessness to hope, then you can do it right now. And a simple way to do that is to say a prayer to God just in the quiet moment where you are sitting. And there's nothing magical about a prayer. It's just a putting what you're feeling in your heart into words and saying it to God. 
And so I invite you to say this prayer in the quietness of your heart. Say this prayer to the Lord this morning. God, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I know that I can't make it right. And I know that I, I need you to rescue me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the grave. And I believe that somehow because of Jesus that I can have forgiveness. And so will you forgive me? I, I put my life into your hands. I surrender to you. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ross is going to, uh, and the band's going to sing a few songs, and I'm going to be here in the front row. And uh, during this time while the song is playing, or even after the songs are over, if, there, if there's a, um, something on your heart you'd like someone to pray for you, I'll be right here. You just come up and, and sit in the front row and tap me on the shoulder and tell me what's on your heart. I'd love to pray for maybe a stressful situation in your life. But also, if you prayed that prayer today to trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to tell somebody about it. Tell the person who brought you today. And, or tell me after the service or tell Pastor Ross. We, we would love to know so we can help you in the next step in your journey, your spiritual journey with God.